Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Steel Wars is up in full video form at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. And this week is one of our favourite people to talk about it with. And he's here to once again go on about how he's been in four Star Wars films several times and I've been in none. Welcome back to the podcast. It's our old friend, Details. How you doing? <laughs> it's good to be back. I'm good, buddy. It's good to have you back. Now, run us through movie by movie for those. And, and you've been on the podcast, I think, three times. And two of them were like feature interviews that people really loved. And like, oh, okay. if, you, if you are new to the Details phenomenon, he is us the Star Wars fan that gets to be on the Star Wars set. He, he is doing it right. He's, you have to go back and listen to these other episodes. Episode, I think it's like episode 100 was your first one. And then you can find yeah, the other one. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the best of time. So Force Awakens, who we got in the Force Awakens? Force Awakens, you have two Abjurian um, con men playing in Maz's castle. Um, Kratinus and Prashi, no, twin I... brothers. I play Kratinus. And, uh, and Tom Bell plays Prashi. Tom Bell, who's also been on the podcast. Uh, Rogue One, who we got? We have L1, the manumitted droid, mm-hmm. who, um, yeah, was originally designed to be K2SO, but got downgraded, and that's why he's K1 and K2 is K2. And, and, I, got, and I got two seconds in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Last Jedi, a lot more prominent. Who'd you rock in that one? I rocked a dude called Slow and Low. Um, the guy who's complaining to the authorities about um, Finn and Rose crashing or landing their ship on my beach. You just love a good parking ticket in that one. I love it. <laughs> well, I, love well it. I loved it. Who is it? We've got um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing the voice on that, and he's named after a Beastie Boys track, so... It's a win-win. Pretty sick. (laughs) Now, Solo, who we got in, you've got a few. Let's go in, we'll save like the big one to last. Who who else did you play? I played um, a Gotterite, one of two Gotterites in um, the saloon. It's um, where you get about two seconds of us as they enter and we we have these mole rat face looking um, kind of um, expressions on our faces. And it's um, myself and my twin pal, Tom Bell, once again. Ah, <laughs> I thought he was back in the mix. That's that, that. Hell yeah. That is a, a deep Star Wars cut. Oh, he's got the book. All right, show. So, so this is Fungus 
Fungus, no, Fungus Fandita. And between Tom and I, we can't tell which one of us that is because we weren't supposed to be separated. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so that is one of us. And that is on page 87 of nice. the solo style visual good, dictionary. Good sizzle. But yeah, that one right there. Can you see? So um, I, I guess your, we go. your biggest concern is working out whether Tom should sign your copy or you should sign your own copy, if you can work out who's actually playing that guy. I don't know. I, I think if, if that's the only image we ever end up with, then we should both sign that. But we've, <laughs> we found, we've, we, you know what? We found some theme, some, some kind of like, what do you call it? Frame grabs. Yeah, yeah, from, yeah. Um, it, so you see us for maybe a couple of seconds in the um, Solo 360 as you pan around the room. You'll see us. Ah. Um, I think you see us for a couple of seconds in Denny's. Yeah, in the Denny's commercial, you see two of us stood by the bar. Um, and then obviously when the movie comes out, um, you get a really good shot of us at some point. I think it's when Han wins um, a hand at the deck. Um or if it's Lando, but somewhere in between there, you'll get a really quick shot of the two of us just drinking away and, and cheering. Are, are you at the card game? Uh-huh. Tell me this. Did you get to meet that four-eared cat astronaut guy? He's the best <laughs> character ever. I, I, like, and he, pat, he, he like pats hand when he's like winning and stuff. Like, and then he's like really sad when he loses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember who was in that. That was either Warwick or his daughter. I think. At, yeah. At any given time, it was it was either Warwick or his daughter. Oh my um, god! Is and, he is he in the book? Ah, let's have a look. But um, I'm trying to um, remember. Uh, I don't. I can't remember who was controlling him because I think um, his his features and his ears and things like that. Because I think it was it was switched through for quite a few people. It might have been Phil Woodvine. Um, I know he does a lot of um, uh, animatronic stuff for um, Warwick. No, there isn't an image in the book. Oh, what is going on? What yeah. is going on? Cat Astronaut. <laughs> He's the best character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hang on. Let's see if there's – oh, there's some more pictures here. No, they've got the, they've got the fighting droid. That's they've got Ron Howard's bro, and they've got Therm Scissor Punch. <laughs> um, no, he's not in there, unfortunately. But where that, what's beautiful about that costume is that is that it, that it's a cat with four ears in an astronaut suit. That that's that's what's good about the costume. <laughs> Doesn't need any more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got him on a really big wide lens. And then we kind of, ILM just kind of just put him so he kind of fit into that scene with everybody ah. else. Normal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so he wasn't there. <laughs> he was there. He was there. I'm playing with you. Oh. He was there. He was there. <laughs> but inside, the, inside that costume where the head goes on, mm. from what I can remember, I think from where the head goes on, there's I think there's a... a uh, a little um, collar around his neck or something like that. Yeah, like, like, like where he clip on his helmet. Like that's where he clip on his little astronaut helmet and go, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to yeah, fly. And I, think he see, I think he sees through that band there. But um, 
no, that room was filled with the most amazing creatures. Um, uh, there was Ram Man. You don't get to see him that much. He 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 loses a hand at the game, and he goes oh like that, and then and then uh, gets off. While we're talking characters, that is such a crazy trivia question. It's like name the two <laughs> actors that played two sets of twins in Star Wars. It was, but it was such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful compliment, and it wasn't by accident that they paired us up again to do oh, it. Ah, that's, um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, there, we had we had several um, rehearsal takes, so there was a couple of takes where me and Tom were at the bar, intermingling with everybody and grabbing some drinks from the drink machine coming down, and then there was a couple of us at, um, where we were sat at the table, and it was almost mimicking um, um, Crashy and Cratinus. Um, and then um, the final, the final two um, rehearsals we had was stood um, by the uh, droid ring while L three is giving Ron Howard's um, brother a hard time, and um, and then when the table game where the game is being played, we we're on the periphery around there. Nice. But well, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was good to be back with Tom. And who else did you have covered in solo? This creature, I do not know um, the name of. Um, I haven't even got a still of it to show you. Um, but you remember there's um, a picture of Han Solo and he's in Savarine. And he's, it's just kind of him stood there at a doorway and he's got some people stood behind him. Oh. Yeah, you remember that image? On the sand planet? The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's, it's one of the most, it's one of the, it's, one of their favorite ones to use for a promotional and he's just stood there with his hands like this and he's looking that way and you've got um, people stood behind him and you've got this lizard face creature stood just to the left. Okay. okay. And is that one of the cloud riders? Yeah. Nice. You're, yeah, so you're, I am a cloud rider. <laughs> your first lizard man. Congratulations. <laughs> but oh but yeah he was beautiful i think it was katie hood that painted his face but it was he was so i nicknamed him pretty boy because he was just so pretty and um in that lineup we know when he when han wants to draw on the whole of empty's nest yeah 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 i i'm the furthest one on the left wearing some kind of like mask over my mask um that looks a bit like a I don't know a, a Tim Burton pumpkin head. <laughs> that was that. That was me. And I think in one of the trailers you saw Warwick shooting a bazooka. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that would be at the enforcers. But to his immediate, uh, to his immediate right, it was Stephanie with the um, green lizardy face, and she and he gets a kiss from from Lando at the table when he kisses her hand. Ah. I, think that's, I think that's in a Denny's commercial. I'm not sure if it's in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and next to her is another a creature performer called Barbara performing a character with four eyes. And then there's me down at the end shooting a blaster. And I, we, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, even in that, even in that split second in the film and in the trailer, it's like, I know I'm shooting a blaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm more excited about that than if it was like a lightsaber because, I think that's what freaked me out when I was a kid, just seeing that laser travel across the screen. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but yeah, and I think that character, he also appeared um, in, he was supposed to also appear in Corellia, the way that um, Stephanie's creature appears in the Sabat game. 
And that was going to be um, based around um, Enfi's nest, her cloud riders spying on everybody. And ah. then you'll get to one point, oh, there they were, there they were, there they were. But they ended up just using Warwick for it. Ah, okay. I, 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 but, yeah. I, I, yeah, I like that idea that you would have seen them everywhere and then at the end, yeah, that's, that's tantalizing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, but, and the thing is, at the time, we weren't quite sure because everything was, seemed like it was being overshot so that there was more to be able to pick from, more to be able to choose from. Um, and so they were covering themselves in um, these amazing massive sets, um, let alone whether it's on location. But, um, yeah, it was it was quite a ride. And then also getting to see the film and then, and then, and then trying to work out where, where I can spot me or spot Tom and, and the others and seeing how they pieced everything together to make that story and it's it's i think it's a done thing that you would see all those little flashbacks of where this person was or where that person was um things we get from oceans 11 and things like that but i think i think rightly so it, it was i think warwick was the person to inhabit that you have to make good use of is it weasel his character's name yeah. um yeah weasel, weasel. yeah it was good to make. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and oh, that was awesome too. You know, and just seeing him walk around, and we didn't. And at the time, I didn't know he was playing that character. He just looked like um, the character from. He just looked like Willow, right? Yeah. So we're just thinking. Hang, you, just thinking. Hang on. Do you think he knew who was playing that character? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know. I, I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna guess. I doubt yeah, it, but I, I, don't I, don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's afterwards they just went. Hey, it's the same guy. Like, like I, I think it's really sweet that it's connected and stuff. But I, um, I am interested to know when when they decided on that. I am interested to know. They made such a big deal about his hair and everything, so they must have known early on. Ah, okay. I think the I think the coin flip might have been, shall we say it's Willow? Ah. <laughs> yeah, or, or that could have that could have been a nice drop, but I don't know. I, I think that heater behind you might be leaking gas, buddy. I'm not. I'm not so sure. That that's... <laughs> All right, now let's get. What's your Lego Man character? Ah, uh, Quay Tolsight. Quay Tolsight. He's a Pike. He's a Pike Capo Syndicate. He's one of their, um, uh, what you call them? One of their boss men who kind of run certain sectors or run certain things like a Kessel Mine mm. and and yeah just a nasty piece of work so he's the guy that's caped up on Kessel and he's sort of got a hexagon sort of helmet shaped yes, yes. head I don't know what's going yeah. on with that guy you've got, you've got faint traces of of him being a pike not only because you're told that he's a pike um, but from that slight look and and kind of like the way I hold his, his posture as well but it's those pipes are dead giveaway at, at, the, at the bottom as if they are um, uh, cupping the the tendrils or whatever he, um, the pikes do have. Um, so this suit is basically helping to keep him alive on Kessel because of the um, atmosphere, because of the harsh conditions there. Ah. And the suit is and the suit is kind of failing, which is why you're getting the the ugly mucus drips coming from it. Oh. Um, and that's what and that's why he's there and looks like that. Yeah, you would, and and you aren't seeing any other pikes there. They're all they're all top dog pikes, and they have no reason to be there. They send people mm. like me there. 
And those guards with, with the big boxes on their heads, they're pikes too, which you can tell because they have those little things hanging down from, from their chins as well. Um, I think there's a really cool picture of, of us. Yeah, here we go. So you see, and um, so he's got the um, traditional pipe that uh -huh. you would, he would be smoking his spice from which could fit into one of those, into either one of those um, nozzles there. Uh -huh. And the suit was functionable, so it could smoke, it could hit, it could hiss, it could um, seep all that vape, but we didn't use it on the set. Um, and uh, where are they, where are they? There they are, they're the guards who are also Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That was something amazing, because I had no idea that it was going to be more than just being on set in a in another creature suit. Mm. You know, it was later on, it later on dawned, um, or not dawned a bit. It was later on I was told. I think Justin did the sculpt on the head, and so he was he wasn't too sure what it was all about. And um, I remember speaking to um, just uh, sorry um, Jake Hunt Davies who designed it, and he said, "Oh yeah, it's based around the Pikes." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Oh, I know the pikes, <laughs> right? And so, and then, it, then everything started to make sense. And um, and then it was, so I was, I was slowly being given information, saying, "Oh, yeah, yeah, he's got. I think he's got some some, some lines to say or whatever." The same thing that happened with slow and low. And um, so I'm like, "Okay, cool. If he's got lines, I don't know. Well, maybe." And then um, <laughs> I turned up one day, and they said, "Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, yeah, he runs things at the mine and stuff. And um, you got to go see Andrew Jack. Andrew Jack's got some." some languages, language sounds that he wants you to use and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and saw Andrew and um, he said, what do you know about this language you've got, you've got to create? And I said, I've just been told it's got to sound ugly. <laughs> and that's all I know. And then he says, that's correct. And then he starts doing these sounds and doing this retching sound. And, and um, I was joining in with that. And then we, then we put some tones into that. And then I added some kind of burping, deep burping sounds into that and got it really disgusting. And he said, great. <laughs> he said, that's perfect. Yeah, I got to set. And before I had... So, um... so it sounds like a very pleasant first date. <laughs> well, this is over a couple of days. But oh. that moment when I met Andrew, that was the shoot day. That was kind of like the first oh, day. Wow. Um, and so I went down to set. And then um, I was introduced to the, the cast. I was introduced to Woody, Phoebe, um, Amelia... I knew all the droids in uh, the droid operators there as well. So it was like I was surrounded by family. It was awesome. It was just so amazing. And um, yeah, we did these rehearsals of, of the pace walking through. And then when they said action, that was it. And then I kind of did the language. And then when I was done, Phoebe would then, um, well, L3 would then um, say, oh, he, Mr. Tolsite says this is his, his place and whatever, blah, blah. And, and so, um, what, yeah. what, what, what's L three looking like at this point? Like, what are you seeing on set? Is it is it Phoebe in the suit or? It's Phoebe in the suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's Phoebe in in her in a wonderfully attractive um, all in one um, green onesie, and um, attached to that onesie is is the bits of that droid. So you're looking at it and you're thinking that droid's. Because you can't see where they're going to put all the wires and and the, and the mech for, for for how they're going to make this droid real, and you're like, okay, but she's she was really she's really sturdy and she really has this this way of walking as if it was like um 
as if the droid was female but a tomboy, you know? Mm. And it kind of, it just worked, and she was just bossing, and and there was one moment where um, they were filming, and they were filming the part just as every, as chaos kicks off in that control room, and all the light and all the flames are going in the background, and sparks are going, and she stood there, and she's saying, I love this place, and everyone, well, my mouth just dropped, my jaw dropped, because you had that beautiful silhouette that you have in this movie mm. of her stood there while all the all hell is breaking loose it's just amazing lego man <laughs> oh you know it's just <laughs> and the funny thing is i saw the obviously i saw the lego before the movie came out because it had been it had been released or leaked or something and i was like okay so I was like, okay, just, just biding my time. And then, and, then, and then all of this, all of the press junket starts coming out and the trailers and everything like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're not going to show you. They're not going to show me, man. They're not going to show me. They can't show me. You know, it's one of those scene things. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, this is building up so good. This is building up. And um, I can't, I, I, actually, I don't even, I think, I'm not sure if I saw a picture first or if I saw myself in the film first. Um, but I do remember the night before the cast and crew screening. Yeah, I got emotional then. I was just like, oh, my God, what am I about to see? I'm about to see my first my first part, my first thing. And I just couldn't get over. I was just like, whoa. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, it was beautifully done. But also everything that surrounds that scene I, I i just i remember it all so vividly from from the moment that um i met ron um on the lot when we were shooting the um just when we were shooting me greeting the guys coming off the falcon dude listen to me i was greeting them when they come off the falcon <laughs> my goodness so yeah that happened that happened and and i in costume i could hide a lot of things anyway so um i like i like that's one of the benefits of wearing a mask and things they can't see you freaking out and so um yeah um spoke to ron and ron was talking talking to us and telling talking us through what he wanted to do and then he said oh yeah and this is where we're gonna have the action sequence and blah blah and he starts describing this amazing shootout sequence that we saw in the film and um and this is this is day this is i don't know if this was his day one but this was my day one with ron um um i think it was day one because he did say to us that um he had spoken to phil and chris and that they were lovely and um it's a strange set of circumstances but um just know that we're pulling together and we're going to make this thing work and and um we're grateful for what the guys have laid down and he was just very very just beautiful about it and it was nice to hear because two weeks prior that we had just come back from um location shooting in spain and it was literally a matter of days and we heard that there'd been a change there'd been a shake-up and then you're like well is there still a job <laughs> you know what is happening when do, am i going back in am i not going it was just everything was just kind of like put on a, put on pause and and then when that pause button was released it was like back to work and you're there and um everything is just all all going and and ron is going at 100 miles an hour and he knows exactly what he's shooting and, and whenever he's second guessing or thinking oh hang on can we do that he'll just turn to john Ka john kasdan and and say um 
what do you think? And John says, oh, yeah, that could work. <laughs> and he's like, okay, cool. And he just got, and he just starts shooting. And it was just amazing. Amazing, amazing. But yeah, I got, I had that scene with Kira, I had that scene with L3 and Chewie and Han and the Falcon. It was just, just, yeah, absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> I sort of didn't know who you were playing before I saw the film. But at the premiere, I was just watching the screen and, and it was really funny because your name was under Clint Howard and I was like, oh, that's a really good spot. And then I, was, I had to um, remember the name and then go home and Google who you were. And I was like, oh, oh my God, you're standing in front of the Millennium Falcon. And um, which is, it's, it's another um, little bit of Star Wars, you know, little like synergy or ring theory because you told that really good story on the 100th episode about walking onto the Falcon on the Force Awakens set. Yeah, but that was just part one, yeah? This is part two. Part two was... <laughs> no, but how many, how many people have walked on both versions of the Millennium Falcon? What's the neater one like? Oh, dude. <laughs> Let me put it this way. When I came off that ship, I made sure that everybody heard me. And who didn't hear me, I went and, and found them and told them that I'm having dibs on this place. Yeah? <laughs> and, and I don't care how much the rent is, that's mine. Yeah? And, and, I, and, I, and I, didn't have to stay in the, I didn't have to stay in the hangar where they kept it. But I was hanging out with the droids. I was hanging out with Nathan and Stephanie. But every time someone was going in there to scan it or to um, take a look around, I was like, um, hang on, put on those blue slippers. Don't mess up my floor. <laughs> but well, every, every, this, this wait, absolutely... wait, every time someone went in to scan it, they, they, had sca yeah. they had scanning crews there, like in the original yeah, Star yeah. Wars, going on to the Falcon. <laughs> the troopers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah practically, yeah, yeah, pretty much that. Well, I would just follow up behind, you know, and I'd blaster in hand, you know, you know. But but it was it was beautiful. The floor was was black and glossy. The walls are, are as you see it, um, pristinely white. Um, and the whole section where the table was, you see it in the movie. Like there's a centerpiece there, like there's a couch or something there. Um, and what you don't see is so you so. In front of you, you've got the hollow chest table. Um, and then um, in front of that, in between you and that, you've got the round seated section where um, they bring L3's um, broken body. But behind that, there's like a bar, which you didn't get to see. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Lando has a bar on there too. And then um, in one of the other sections, it was like, um, it was the bedroom. and all in that color coded with that yellow, um, that beautiful yellow that he wears and things like that for the couch and, and for his bed and things. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, this, I could move in. D, talk to me. I didn't find a toilet. <laughs> I, I, I was looking. I, 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 I was actually going to ask if you found the cape room, but. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, it did. I found the cape room. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping you didn't use the cape room as a toilet. That would be horrible. 
after that one, you're not allowed to direct the Boba Fett film. So, <laughs> real bummer. Which I, which I hope, if they do do that, I hope it's set before the Scarlet Pit. I'm, I'm, I'm over the Scarlet Pit. I'm just like, show, show me, show me before. All show right. me, show me what gave, what gave me, what gave him that reputation. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that in a in yeah. a, in a little bit. I was thinking about this and uh just to spice up the conversation, get you thinking. Okay. What do you think out of Rogue One and Solo, two anthology films, which one do you think for you enhances another film? Like, you know, Rogue One enhances Star Wars for a lot of people because it follows straight on. But I watched Empire Strikes Back like a week ago and right. it, and it's like after Solo, I'm just like, it, it's really like you really watch it with a different perspective now or you can if you want. Like it's really fun to watch the interplay between everyone with thinking about those characters, like sort of pretending that you hadn't, you'd only seen Solo before. Like it's interesting right. to see how all they say play out. It's really fun. Yeah. But yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which one for you sort of changes your perspective on like one of the original films? Change. I mean, it enhances. I think they they both enhance. Yeah, oh, enhance. You know, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 enhance them. Um, uh, solo, solo, hands down. It's been the. It was the hardest film for me to work on, and I've said it a few times, but I absolutely mean it. It's when when you're trying to be professional and you, and you're just trying to hold down your excitement because you know what that is over there, or you know what that means over there. Yeah. Or you know who that is stood right there. Or, you know, where you got that piece of piece of costume from or where that's going, you know, um, even in the computer room, um, I was losing, I was losing my mind. Um, what the, there was one moment I, I got to be able to look at the monitor and that was to see me walk out of that doorway with them following. And um, I got to see me for the first time on the screen as that character walking out. And then as I go past, I see Jimmy V walking out of the wall in a gonk droid. And that just, I forgot I was even on the screen. Yeah. And that's how, that's how bad it was. And I was like, oh, my God, that is awesome. <laughs> you know, and I'm, rush, and I'm rushing in there. And I'm telling the guys, hey, Jimmy just walked out of the wall. Of course, they know he walks out of the wall. They dressed him, put him in there, right? But he's in there. You've got droids at, at the side of, of, of the um, consoles or whatever, but they're puppets. Then you've got the, the bit where the, the whole, that kind of computer thing where R2 would put his thing in there and find information. Um Noticing things like that, noticing Beckett's costume in that scene, the the Sabak scene, um, noticing um, the droid sensor on the wall because there was a couple of makeup artists stood there and like maybe that's like a space cigarette machine or something. And I said, no, 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 that's a droid sensor, and I just carried on walking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that, yeah. Um, but there was just for me, it was just there was just so much. It was so full on. And then when we went to Fort Aventura and shot. Sabarine, you know, you know, at least um, ninety, at least seventy-five of that, seventy-five of that set was built there. Yeah, we're there. We're walking. We get out. We get out the jeeps and whatever. We're walking onto set. We got our one of those um, domes was where we were going to set up um, all our equipment and stuff like that. But 
the power converters that you see there that went off into the distance for an actual back about a mile or so, it was actually there a mile or so away. Yeah, everywhere you looked, it was a star. It looked like we were on Tatooine. We knew we weren't on Tatooine, but it looked it, everything about it like Star Wars. Yeah. And then I remember one, one evening when we wrapped. How did you know you weren't on Tatooine? Do they have up on set a sign saying this one isn't Tatooine either? Or do you know in the script? Nah, I don't know. It was, it was more like a general consensus um, that it wasn't. And, and it was the, the giveaway was that it was a different kind of planet because the crew had just got back from filming in the snow. Gotcha. Yeah. And so um, for this one, um, it was that these domes that were appearing in the sand were the, the tops of factories down below. Yeah. Did they have any um, like sets for that down below thing? Because that sounded so fascinating that the like the, the processing plant was all underneath there. Well, well, this will tell you how much I knew at the time. Um, and I thought, well, oh, well, maybe that's where the mining is taking place down there. So I'm completely on the wrong path. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's what they were saying. They were saying that, oh, down, down below, that's where they kind of um, treat the coaxium or they do this or they do that or whatever. So I thought, oh, maybe that's another set back at Pinewood. Mm. You know, um, not knowing that it wasn't a set that needed to be seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and, and I remember we were rapping and one of the girls, um, Sarah Lawrence, who makes sure that we're all photographed, everybody's photographed for these books and stuff. We were just sat there while they were setting up for the last shot. And I think it was Enfys, um Nest um, watching... Luke, sorry, watching Han and Chewie walk back up. And um, yeah, the sun was setting and it was just, the only thing missing was two suns in the sky. It was amazing, you know, and you just don't get away from the fact that you're on a Star Wars set. The, the, um, the hover bikes were just there on the, were on the left. I remember one day I sat on one for half a day, just half a day. I wouldn't get off it. Um, and Chaz, the guy who builds these things, you know, um, he was just telling me all about where he got the parts from. Some was from, from, from a jet engine. Some was from a motorbike, a Harley. Some was from this. And just the passion that he has for him and how cool they were. And basically, he knew that I was a huge fan. And it's every time I see him now, it's a big hug. And he'll tell me about something else he was building. Because I think he built everything. He's been building all those kind of um speeders and and things like that since the force awakens hmm. so but, oh no it's lovely let's hit where your your solo story began like how, how did you how did you get the call you got the I, I, we've talked about this before but you've got that red lucasfilm uk phone under glass in your house <laughs> it rings you lift up the dome you answer what's going on how do you get the call <laughs> Yeah, we've all got those phones, man. Neil, make sure that we have those phones in, in, installed. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it is that call. It's always that first call that says, um, we're looking to shoot the next one. Will you be available? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and from the time, from the, from the time, you know, and, you know, and, I, and, I, and the thing is, they know. And I, I said, you do know you don't have to ask me. You just need to tell me when to turn up. They said, yeah, yeah, but we, we just have to, it's kind of, we just have to ask. <laughs> we're just going to treat the people, we're going to treat you the way we treat the people that wouldn't do it for free. So just, I know that's offensive, <laughs> 
But uh, that's how we're going to do it. Do you know what I mean? It's too hard to split you into the two groups. So we're just going to put the nutbags with the people that actually want jobs and consider the money a bonus. Consider it a bonus. Yeah, I think that's the toughest part. That's the toughest part when I get that call like that. (laughs) um, But no, from the time I say yes, I... I won't take on any work until they've actually told me that I've wrapped. Mm-hmm. Um, just so that I don't have anything conflicting, just so that they know they've got someone um, regu- someone that they can rely on who's um, a regular performer. Um, but yeah, it starts with that phone call. And then maybe a, f- a few weeks later, you'll then get the next um, set of phone calls uh, trying to get you in for fittings. And um and yeah, you're not always, when you go in, you're not always being fitted for all the creatures that you're going to do. Um, it's kind of like as production goes on, you'll find out which other creatures you're going to do eventually. Ah. And so I think the first one I was being fitted for was, yes, one of the Gotterites. Um, and knowing that it was going to be me and Tom again and... First of all, they show you this picture of us in these flight suits kind of lent up at the bar with drinks in our hands or whatever. And there's a very, um, uh, very empty skull kind of um, mechanical headpiece for you to try on just to make sure it fits okay. So Vanessa's there for fabrication. And um, and occasionally Neil will come in and he'll like, oh, but can it do this and can it do that? And they're like, oh, no, I haven't thought about that. Yeah, yeah. So so Neil Neil is constantly switched on and um, will always add something extra before it even gets greenlit and finished, you know. Um, but he understands. So with our with our laughs, the mouths could close to a certain point, but they were more for that that kind of bite. So it's a half a bite really, really quickly, uh, as they would do for a laugh. Like you, you sort of said you didn't know what other characters you were going to play. Now, h- how are these jobs given out? Is it just you just <laughs> lurk past the costume department all day, which, which <laughs> it clearly sounds like that's what you're doing. So, <laughs> No, I... It, Funny enough, in, in, in the office, they have this board and they've got these tiny little um, thumb-sized JPEGs of either the drawing or, uh, yeah, normally it's the drawing of, of the creature or the droid or something. And beneath that, there's a code which says what that creature is, um, which resonates with the wardrobe and fabrication departments, so they know exactly which one they're working on. But also beneath that, they've penciled in um, which performer is available to perform that creature. Um, and normally it's, it's Neil who picks and says, oh, well, I know who's perfect for that. I know who's perfect for that. And, and, it, kind of, and it ends up that way. And then whoever's not around, then it then kind of goes down the tier to whoever else is available to do it, so to speak. Um, okay, I, I picture yeah. I picture every time Neil Scanlon goes to write into a name, there's some voice from under the table going, "Details would be pretty good for that one. How about the details?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got uh, yeah, I've got I've got I've got most of the office on a retainer, <laughs> <laughs> but, a retainer of promises. <laughs> what is it like as a Star Wars fan to um, look at that board and you've just got all these new characters, all these new things like droids and, you know, 
like I, I'm not sure how up the chain the characters go, but you might see like a Rodian and you're like, oh my God, they're back. Like you, you're seeing all the surprises almost on one yeah, sheet. Yeah. Like that must be pretty yeah. full on. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're not quite sure what con- context they're in. Oh, of course. So yeah. In regards to what scenes they're doing or what you have no idea, but that's, it's one of these things where it's, it's difficult for me to express it. Um, bit by bit when I say that every time that I turn up to work, I'm having the best day of my entire life. Yeah. And it only gets topped by the next day because I might be going into the office. It might be just for fitting. I might see that board. I might be chatting to Ivan or, 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 or Jake or, or, um, or Luke in the office and, and, and catching a glimpse of what it is they're working on art with their art, art pens on the computers and all these types of things with their graphic designs. Um, I'm not sure if it's for this movie or something else, you know? Um, and yeah, you can't get, you can't get away from where you are and what everybody's working on. And even if Dorf's walking into the office, Matt Denton might be sat there just um, twiddling about or tweaking something with BB-8. It's insane. <laughs> you know um and then and then and then not to mention and then i'll go to um the workshop and um and see um see the the guys there working on 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 various outfits and various masks and various heads and things like that and i can see um my body sculpt there and my body cast and a few others dotted around in the room so i'm like oh okay so at least they're in the same scene as me or whatever um or, or you're thinking, you're assuming that, but it it just goes on. And and like when we were doing the Last Jedi, I, I was going backwards and forwards for fittings for um for slow and low, um, and seeing this foam sea cow thing, I didn't know it was a sea cow. All I saw was this big creature and these and these teats. I, I'm saying teats. <laughs> You do you do say it quite elegantly, so uh, I, I yeah yeah. I'd be careful. I, <laughs> but but I was, I was looking at my, that. My, and my, my Australian accent is not brave enough to take a shot at that one. <laughs> nah, dog. Go on, go on, go, on, go on, try. <laughs> Tates, Tates. Actually, at least at least there's nothing dangerous about that. <laughs> at least there's nothing dangerous or close about it. It's very safe. But no, I'm 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 seeing things like that. And first of all, I'm looking at everyone. I'm like, how are they going to get those on the screen? This is Disney. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like having a close up of a, of a cow's udder. It's just like, really. And but then everything else seemed to match because there seemed to be this kind of. Um, there seem to be a lot of sea creature-esque type creatures in there and um, some beautifully disgusting creatures. With, with the, the, the sea monster creature. Yeah. And you're saying like how they're going to get this on the screen. And then when you add to that, oh, Luke Skywalker's going to drink milk from it. I, I I love the scene because I'd never I, I like things in Star, I like things in Star Wars that I've never imagined like John you know I mean I never would imagine <laughs> yeah. that so I'm just like oh yeah that's messed up that's awesome <laughs> yeah you know much like even you wouldn't have imagined like blue milk it was just this thing that they threw in but that's right like yeah. it was such a bizarre scene but 
yeah, to have that in the like to see that thing. Like, did did someone say, "Oh, wait till you see what it does," or you just when no, you saw the film, no. you were just like, "Yes, I was like that." If you had a known, you would have had a drink. <laughs> yeah, just try and pull me away. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the thing is, when I saw it, it was still in its foam state. So oh, it okay. That yellow. You know, that um, I think they were going to put all the latex stuff on top of. So I had no idea what the end thing was going to look like. All I saw was like from before you see that neck and that, and that head like that or whatever. I just saw the belly and, and teats. That's all I saw, you know, <laughs> as you do. But, the, but, but that's it. It was in that room. And then I'm also seeing another head, head cast for, for a certain puppet. With um, that joins Luke in, in that movie, um, <laughs> uh, you know uh, how you know, and 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 so many things go through your mind when you when you see when you see Yoda's head, just or one of Yoda's heads, kind of just on on the side there, and it's like, oh my goodness! All right, cool. Um, Frank Oz is coming in. <laughs> Frank Oz is coming in. You know, and. Um, I'm, I'm going to be in a movie with Yoda. Forget, forget the big names. <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to be in a movie with Yoda. <laughs> but just saying that, I had completely forgotten he was in the movie until that moment came across. Uh... When that moment came across and his ears came up, I was like, oh, yeah. But, but that's what I mean. There's so much going on so early on that um, I can afford to at times deliberately say, okay, cool. I'll forget about that. Cause I have no context uh, for how that fits into the story. That's cool. You know, it's easy to forget, forget it like that. Now more than ever, it's important to support the independent star Wars voices that you enjoy. Whether you've enjoyed a podcast from myself or my many other star Wars podcasting peers, take a couple seconds to pod it forward. Take it from me, after hours and hours of episode preparation, it is really rewarding and satisfying to see someone spread the word. I normally pin the latest episode to the top of my Twitter and Facebook pages, making it really easy for you to find a link to share. It's really quick, it's really easy, and it really works. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of the episode. So let's bring it back to Solo. What's your first day on set? What scene are you filming? First day, first first day, first day. First day was Corellia, but it didn't get used. Um, so we were on the James Bond um, set, and from one end to the other, it's Corellia. You have that partition in the middle. You have stormtroopers marching around. You have maybe 300 extras in there, all dressed up. Um, and ready to go. Some of them having certain um, additions to their costumes or, or space outfits or or something, but something easier for them so, um, than you would get for us. Are, are we talking the the Corellian like airport spaceport thing? Or yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, my lizard guy, he was um, supposed to be one of the space kind of ground crew. So we had these red and black suits. There's an image of it in the book so while i tell you that i'll try and find it mm-hmm. um and um yeah i was supposed to be milling around with the other workers and uh that was going to be like i said my kind of 
my little setup for what was going to appear later on. But at that time, as part of Emphis, Emphis Nest, but at that time, I had no idea. I had no idea that that character was going to appear later on um, in the desert. So like Dubrovnik, I think I was probably one of the last people to find out that I was going on location. Um, and <laughs> I mean, I always loved that. It's just like, yeah, we've got a surprise for you, D. Um, it's not quite a surprise, but it's, it's awesome when that, when that happens. Um, but let me find a good image of him. Um, he was designed by Jake, Jake Lunt Davies. And, oh, we're getting close. I'm now looking in the, um, the art book guide. Well, I'm struggling to find him. But here's a picture of me and, and Tom, the artist's interpretation of us. Oh. Yeah. So those are, the, those are the, the pretty boys to look out for. Nice. Right. So now, okay. We'll find this image because this, um, this is a pretty cool one. So, oh, here it is. Slap bang. And that's on page 80, is it? 80. There he is. Oh. So that's how I was dressed for, for Corellia. Um, and, um, and what was good about that, I mean, fair enough, they didn't use it and they had him just dotted around later on um, based on how they were structuring this movie. Um, but it was nice because for the first three days, um, I wasn't needed. So I just got to help people out and, and some of the creatures and, and some of the droids because Stephanie was wearing the yellow L1 droid, which was my droid. So they resprayed that for that scene. And so I was is, able is it, to help out with that. Is it weird to see your droid again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't, even, there wasn't even a beat there. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like I'm, it's, it's like I'm having an out-of-body experience <laughs> when I'm looking at it. Yes. Because, because I know – the thing is, those suits are it – fair enough, it was made to measure, but those suits are very, very specific about how much movement you can get in them, what you can do in them. Um, and so when, when you, when you spend a couple of days in a suit like that, to be outside of that and to see somebody else in it, you know exactly what it feels like to, to be there. So to watch it, it was, it was very, very surreal. But, um, I saw some beautiful things when I was there. I mean, uh, one of the guys was, um, was wheeling around an R2 unit. Um, let me guess, let me see if is Stuart, is it Stuart Bone? Stuart, Stuart Bone, one of the R2 um, operators, and everybody, there were extras there, but then there was also guests from production who were dressing up um, just to be in the scene and things like that, so they had their kids and things like that. And one of the kids ran up to one of the R2s and was giggling and playing with this R2, and then R2 was just turning around, spinning around, and, and interacting with this kid. And I couldn't see Stuart to see, to, I didn't know who was operating the R2 droid, but it looked so natural and it looked so beautiful. And it was like, this is, this is why I'm here. This is, th this is absolutely amazing. That child, if that child, when that child grows up and, 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 and still loves Star Wars, hopefully, will never forget that moment because it happened on set. 
You know, it's not, it didn't happen in the, in the theme parks. No, no, it happened on set, mm. you know? Um, and that, that um, you know, when those, it's like, it's like in, in Rogue One, when the kid just gets you by the heart with those kids and things like that. It was another one of those moments. And, um, and then I also got some time hanging behind the monitors, watching Bradford work and um, looking at how he was framing and seeing how he would go from, no, no, that frame doesn't look right. And he would get on the microphone and tell the camera guy and he would get it to all line up. And it's like, yeah, there you go. Perfect. So I got to see what not to do, <laughs> you know, and how to make something look just awesome. And that's what that, you know, I was mesmerized by by his work um, every time I looked at the monitors because it looked dated. It looked like it was in the 70s. It just looked super, super clean. It looked beautiful. So, but, um, but that was my first week. Did you film, when they refilmed the Corellia scene, did, were you in that set as well? Um, oh, yes. Was yes. It, was it weird but, to be back? back? Did it look exactly the same or did it look totally different? It looked pretty much the same. Um, and, and with those sets, they only change certain things if they know they're only going to be looking in one direction in one way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there, I was there when they were, when they had the dogs, cause those dogs aren't CGI. They're, they're real Dobermans in those, in those dogs. Really? Those suits. Um, yeah. And I think it's ILM that augmented their snarling and all ah. that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, those dogs are lovely. Um, uh, so I was there for that and Moloch and um, Han and Kira weaving through the crowd and Kira getting caught behind um, the partition and Han screaming his head off. Um, yes, yeah, so I was there for, for that that piece right there. Um, but yeah, also just a side note, it's like I knew I was in Corellia. And on the on the on the on the walls or whatever, it was like this old kind of engraving of some some pilot or something stood there like this, and then you have these these um, falcons just all dotted around these 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 spaceships, Corellian mm-hmm. ships. And um, I was stood there, and I was stood there with the guys, the droid guys, and everything like that. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. But hang on, but why are they why are they all Millennium Falcons? Why are they all Falcons on the wall? <laughs> and they go, yeah, because it's Corellia, mate. Remember, <laughs> it's a Corellia breach. I was like, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 even even me, you you get so drunk in the wonder of actually being on a set and seeing everything that the bits that you get. They may be so obscure, but the most obvious things, <laughs> you know, it's like they, you, you might miss them. But um, but yeah, so it was nice going back to see see certain things like that. And I'm from from doing the reshoots on um, Rogue One. I was aware that yeah, um, there may be there may be um, occasions where they have to rebuild the sets and stuff like that. So it's. I'm aware of the work that's gone in, but I'm not surprised by having to be back, mm. you know, and the sets being being as as beautiful as they are because that's what these guys do. They're just amazing. With the, the Pike scene, like that's yeah, that's yeah. pretty heavy duty because you're like you're in a scene with Han Solo and Chewbacca. <laughs> Dude, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, and I'm sending them down to the mines for some clipping and tagging, you know, <laughs> as you do. But just that scene, like how how many days was that? Like um, like how long oh. for that? Like how many days are you going to work? Going, I'm 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 on set with Han Solo today. Situation normal. That was, that was one day. Really. That was one day. That that interaction, that interaction was one day. And um, when I say Ron is is switched on, he knows where he's placing the cameras, and um, he knows how um, to get the best out of the performance. I mean, even that thing where I put my um, uh, what you call it, my spice vape thing underneath um Amelia's chin you know um I was I think that I was probably most nervous about doing that because it wasn't a it wasn't a stunt a stunt um tool mm-hmm. which means it was just hard hard metal and um just to kind of get that sweeping under her chin to a whip away you know because he's saying something really yeah um, and, and how, how, how well can you see outside the mask um I can see very well. I can see very well. It's what's difficult about that suit in, in a sense that I had to navigate around was first of all, my head gets, gets, gets put inside this box and then it's screwed in. Right. So I can't get, I can't get that off my head unless someone unscrews it. The suit weighs a ton. Yeah. And I'm being dressed by by Cheeky Serrano, and she's this tiny little Spanish girl, <laughs> and she's just handling this thing and, and throwing it over. And say, yeah, you ready? Yeah, yeah, put it on or whatever. And um, every day I put that thing on, and she was there to handle it. And when she wasn't, we had other guys handling the suit, um, and um, just literally, I'm not just standing there with my hands holding keys. I'm literally like this, holding the costume up with my hands here. One, for the shape of the costume, and two, because of how I know the pikes are, where, where their arms would be. The head's are obviously up there, but their arms are kind of almost T-Rex, but with extensions. And so um, I'm aware of all of these things that I'm, 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 I'm putting in just instinctively. Um, so it's while I'm doing all of that, having my body relaxed enough to lean in and do those types of things and then turn away. It's, um, yeah. And with, with Amelia, it's like, bless her. She's amazing. It's like, she'll be laughing and joking. She's got the biggest laugh on set. <laughs> laughing, joking. And when it's time to, to action, it's switched on. So you, even if you were in two minds about where you were, she switched on, you're switched on, you know? Um, but then I'm with the principal. So I'm, 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 I'm making sure I'm focused all the way through that and, and getting the notes from, um, from Ron. And, um, yeah. So from the walkout, did a big walkout. And as I'm walking out, they time it from where they, they're coming off the Falcon to where they meet me. And she's greeting me with, Oh, we've come from blah, blah, blah. And then I look away. But it's um, it was a it was a well conceived piece for that introduction, you know, and the pace because it wasn't until I was in the control room that I actually knew what pace we were going at, um, and that was you're at part of the story where someone's explaining um, how the scam's going to go down, 
you know, um, based on how much, I, how much I had to do in that room and, and how quickly I take them through and then take them into that room and <laughs> yeah, get my ass handed to me by the mother of dragons. Wow. Um, and also maybe the first person in canon to have Terakasi used against them. I never stopped to think about that. That's good. That's why you have me, D. I'm the one that marks all these important dates <laughs> in your yeah. life. Oh, see, see, see that just, you're just adding lay, layers to it now, <laughs> like an onion. The, the Terracasi line. Like, is, yeah, is, okay. is that in that in the okay. script? Did someone throw that in? Is everyone laughing about it on set? Are other people asking what that's all about? What's going on? No, that's just that's just a, a line in that, that was in the script. That was there was nothing. I, as far as I'm aware, there was nothing ad libbed. It never changed from that line. Um, so there was a, a context for it coming before to land there and where it was going. So it was all around her character. Um, which we don't know much about when we're shooting a scene like that. I'm just, I'm meeting him for the first time as that Pike. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was aware of that fighting style cause I'm lying, I'm actually lying there on the floor when they're doing those takes and she's pulling the keys out of my chest. And, um, he says about the negotiations and things like that. Um, but no, things like, things like that. I, um, it was a it was a small that that was a small small crew in that room, so you imagine at the doorway or inside that inside that room you've got the camera in there, but everybody else is outside, um, and they don't need to be in that control area until they're setting up for the droids' um, revolt. Um, so yeah, it was quite it was quite, it was quite a nice contained um, little sequence. And, um, yeah, didn't really know anything about that. Yeah, so let me ask you this. Was there any acknowledgement of how much of an Easter egg that line is on set? Like, did Amelia Clark know no. that she was dropping, like a, a, like, a deep cut, or was she just saying a line? Oh, I don't well, – well, she's well, – don't forget, she's been Kira – in, in, in for months or, or weeks or, or already, so she, she's got a build up of knowing where she's throwing stuff in, or even if she knows what that line means. Mm. Yeah, um, so she's just delivering that line. But that line wasn't. I didn't. I didn't flag. I didn't flag that line. Nobody. Nobody came to me and said anything about that line. Um, there was too much visually going on. Like I said, with all the droids in that room, um, and and the outfit Woody was wearing. Um, just it was just. <laughs> Yeah, do you see what I mean? It's just insane. How much did you have to like stay cool? Like this is what what is happening? In, <laughs> no details. Let's just chill out. Okay. How weird is your life <laughs> that you're in this bizarre costume, and Woody Harrelson? is walking out of the Millennium Falcon in Lando Carizian's Return of the Jedi outfit. Like, I had this weird dream last night, Steel. I dreamt <laughs> I was in front of... I was a bug, a giant bug in front of the Millennium Falcon with Sarah Connor and Woody Harrelson dressed as Lando Carizian in Return of the Jedi. I, I, would, I would tell you to evaluate a few things, D, but this is your real, <laughs> this is your real life, buddy. Dude, yeah, and and soon as soon as I saw him in the outfit, knew just knew this. It's just like, 
All right. Were people commenting on the the skiff guard outfit? That's a pretty blatant Easter egg. Yeah, there were there were a few. Did, did, there were a few comment did, on that? Did Woody reference that he was rocking uh, Lando's skiff gear? Did he appreciate no, it? He didn't have to. He sold it really well. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't really see Lando do much in that outfit other than give the best cinematic scream of all time when the Scarlet Pit is trying to drag him in. Yeah. And that's probably the most action we see of him in that outfit. Mm-hmm. When I, t- when I tell you, man, I got to see, I got to see Woody throw that stuff at the guards, twirl his guns. He does that. He can do that. dude. <laughs> Twirling and boom and boom and boom. And he's shooting. It was the most amazing thing. It was so beautiful to watch, you know, and um, he does it. He does it so cool because it's Woody and it's just that was awesome. And I know I've in one of the breaks, I did try on that. I did try on that that headpiece. I I had to. I had to. And so. um, So, yes, I'm all right. I'm happy with that. I'm I'm happy with that. But um, but yeah, it's things things like that. and we knew something was going on with the droids as well, because um, all the droids had these had the magnetic, the real magnetic. Um, uh, what are they called? The restraining bolts. Um, that's it. Restraining bolts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, they were all they all had the capacity to come off. So, so they were magnetized. So we knew we knew that something was going on. And as and then the more droids that started coming in, because I know I think it's it's Warwick who's in that white droid, that white and red droid. When she's like, "Well, I don't know, go and free your friends or something," <laughs> you know, it's just it was the most adorable revolt you could ever imagine to see these droids just kicking off. It was amazing. It was absolutely brilliant. You know, obviously, you know, with the change of director and stuff, like how, like how were things different? How how was that even announced to you? What what, what was it like as someone? Like you you know, you said before about the job. Like, you know, when when these things happen, you're in the middle of a job, and you know you love Star Wars, but you'd also like to have the rest of the job continue. <laughs> was there concern when there was an announcement? that they had left and there wasn't a new director like because there was like about a week of of nothing i don't know it wasn't just it wasn't just that i was on star wars i mean i i got them to know um phil and chris and, and and particularly phil and we were just having some chats and i just he's such a lovely energetic guy i love just the vibe that he has and um so we were just chatting and so we were i remember filming one of the last scenes in in Porta Ventura that didn't get used. And um, yeah, just that moment thinking, oh, cool, all right, we'll see you back in London. You know, and then the first I'm hearing is the same way everybody else heard. You know, unless unless you were at Pinewood and you were working that day or that evening or whatever, um, if you weren't there, you were going to find out just the same as everybody else in the news and things like that. Mm. Um, the only uh, bits of information that came my way was just rescheduling when I was next to when I was next due in, and just told to sit tight while um, they figure things out. And uh, so, I don't know. I was 
I don't know. I was I was in shock. I was in shock because I, I I was like I couldn't work out what had happened because um. Let me ask the you this: that people talk about wasn't wasn't visual wasn't wasn't visual. Yeah, because I, I guess maybe you know one of the co- complaints reportedly was like the coverage on the scenes and stuff like that. And I guess from an actor's point of view, you know, you're not seeing what footage is going back. Like you're just filming the scenes. No. Yeah? No, yeah, and and we our our rehearsals are separate to principles, so it's kind of like we find out what they want us to do on the set. I'm like, okay, cool, and then the actors come on and they've already been rehearsed. Mm. So whatever the conversation's gone on in in that room or in that context, that's 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 beyond us or beyond me. And so when they join the scene and they're doing what they need to do. That's when things get fine-tuned and they say, oh, can we have this guy walk across here? Can we have this interaction here? And that's when they kind of build something from what we've already rehearsed about, about knowing what scene we're actually in and what we're going to be required to do, um, along with uh, their interactions with the puppets or the creatures, so to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, all that is, is, is separate from us. But so, I don't know. It was, so, yeah. so it sort of was a complete... Like you were kind of oblivious to whatever was, you're just doing your thing. Yeah, you're like, oh, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. This film with two directors seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they did, they did the Lego Movie, <laughs> you know, because that's that's all that's all I, I knew of them at that point. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was it was something. It was something. But then at, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, they figured things out and got things to a, a really good point with Rogue One. I know Lucasfilm don't believe in failure, don't believe in reboots and all that kind of stuff, so they're going to get it right out the gate. This is what I already know. So I just have to sit tight and just wait for things to unfold because you don't know if they're going to unfold in the same way things, the, the direction of, the, of, of what you were doing was going in. So I could have been, like I said, in Corellia, thinking, oh, okay, I'm, some, I'm just a worker in Corellia or whatever. But they don't need to show that because they can tie that up with Warwick now when, they, when they're tidying up the shots and, and, and compacting everything together. Mm. So, um, yeah, you don't quite know how things are going to change, if they are going to change. But, uh, you know, when you hear that, it's Ron Howard coming on board. Oh, goodness me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, I used to rush home to watch the Batman 30-minute serials, and then after Batman was Happy Days. And now Richie Cunningham is stood right in front of me, introducing me to um, everybody. So, yeah, because also Donald Glover was there um, that I got introduced to as well. Um, and I'd run into him a, a few times um, around the Sabac, um, uh stage area and stuff like that. But it was, you know, he got, and he's taking me through and he's like, yeah, and he's telling me, yeah, I, you know, how are you with this and blah, blah. And it's so surreal. It's so surreal. It's like um, everything significant to do with my childhood is 
is in front of me right now. You know, um, not that it's just Star Wars. It's the people and it's the characters. And it's like you have um, Lawrence Kasdan on set um, and his son. And but you know that you're on their set, <laughs> you know, you know, you're in their house, you know, and it's just awesome, you know. Um, and then, um, yeah, everything. You, and, then, and then you're seeing things and then you get you're walking on the Melon Falcon. You know, you're seeing Chewie, regardless of whether it's Jonas or Peter in the suit or whatever. It's Chewie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, every day, <laughs> every day is, is a good day. The um when when you bring up Chewy, I, I saw it again the other night, um, and the, you know the scene where they're in the pit and they have to jump from the falling stormtroopers, like when Han and yes, yeah, yes. yeah, like I, it just sort of hit me when Chewy jumps. Like you're not used to seeing Chewy, like do you know what I mean? Like fall, the, the like athletic. Yeah, yeah. It was quite. Um, I was like, oh. He's, he's, he's really getting amongst it. In the, in the computer room, on, the, on one of the monitors, one of the guys who deals with that, Scott, was showing me some footage they already shot. And it was of a Wookiee. It wasn't Chewy, but it was of a Wookiee dealing with all of these escaped um, slaves and things like that. And one of the guards runs up to him and he punches him in the chest. And it's a stunt guy on wires. But when he punches him, the guy goes flying. And you're like, well, that's how it should feel when you get hit by a walkie. Yes. It, it was amazing. And it was just on the monitor. Just to, And you don't know if it's going to be seen or not, but it was filmed. Mm. You know, that is what I mean. It was just, it was just brilliant. Um, one of the best scenes I love um, that Jonas did was that hollow table. And it was that, you, you know, that look that puppies have. And, like, and I just don't get it. And it was just, oh, you know, it's bad enough when you see him in person. When you see him in person, the um on the on the headpiece it's blended so well to to his eyes that it's it doesn't it doesn't look like a mask and you're seeing these beautiful blue eyes just just staring at you or whatever and and he'll emote and 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 it's just yeah but that scene where he's just figuring out and he hits the table and i'm like oh i was like that is just awesome this is brilliant Nice. <laughs> well, and, hang on. What about you? What about you? Tell me what is the most memorable, odd little thing, cool little thing. Just the odd, just a little thing that that that, that you walk away with from with Solo, oh, and you're like, oh, that was a nice gem. That was nice. I I, I really like the the Sabak discussions like i i really like just the the han han um i think alden just crushed those little lines to um to donald during that bit i i thought that was really i i just thought he had that i don't know that sort of over arrogant cocky yet endearing thing <laughs> <laughs> like like it's rad that he's yeah. like such a dick but you probably shouldn't be such a dick do you know what i mean which is <laughs> it's just pretty han solo when you think about it but it's but it's that it's, it's that kind of james bond moment when he's when he's going to the table and he's he's sussing out the bad guy and and things like that and but the thing is with alden it was um 
it was just amazing to see him on set and seeing him between the takes and and I got to chat to him for for a bit in between um, bits and pieces and stuff like that and just the composure that he had um, as Alden and then the composure he had while he was on set um, while you know while the fandom's like oh is he will he be great will he oh he's not as while the fans know he's just embodying solo and when i saw him on set i it, for me it wasn't alden for me it was han that was han and that's chewy that's you know and i remember when we were in spain and because it was quite windy and sandy and stuff like that they're walking and you see, and it's one of those shots you see when they're walking to emphasis nest towards emphasis and um he's they're walking across and chewy's got all the sand and 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 the wind blowing across his foot i'm just like <laughs> you know, it is. It's just, it is a Han, a Han, and a Han in his Wookiee. Did you end up having to go back to Spain, or they just they kept all that? Oh, they kept they kept all that. There was enough. There was enough of what we shot to um, to create what they had at the end. But we did have one particular scene. Yeah, one scene, and I think it's one little flash you see of it, and it's after. And this has taken down all of the um, enforcers and you'll see the enforcers lying there. And I think I'm at the bottom left of the screen as we're doing a final sweep with our guns or whatever. Um, I think, yeah, there was that that we shot on the back lot, but ah. everything else they kept. So all those, the refinery shots, they're, they're all location. There's no... Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, you know, and it's, and for me, it's hard to tell a lot of the time, but Ron said when we were, um, uh, I think they were getting ready to shoot the Denny's commercial or something like that. I, I was saying that he's not there to reshoot everything. What he's there to do is to piece other scenes in together to see if, if, cause you know, it's like you get a story and it's like, oh, but you, in between that gap, you could fit another bit of context in there like that and another bit of context in there like that, which would tell the same story. Mm. And it, it felt very much that that's what was going on as well as merging in bits and pieces. So that's why it's very difficult to tell who shot what, especially for Spack. The, but, um, it, 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 you talk about Alden's um, acting. And it, I was thinking about this this morning. It's so weird that like Star Wars – one of its biggest criticisms over the years has been its acting. Mm. And, mm. you know, like from, you know, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace, whatever, Attack of the Clones. And then I can't think of like a movie, like or a role where the acting has been so microscoped. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like this, this movie that the acting is sort of just accepted to be like, you know, it's, if it's good, people are like, oh, my God, like, this is amazing. But then you've got this guy playing this role and it is the most factored, like, the most focused on acting role of all time. It's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. I, there's, there's an understanding that I have. Um, and, it, and I think it's, I think I kind of found, found, it, found it during the prequels. Um, and, um, understanding the dynamic changes in the emotions that Hayden Christian was, 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 um, 
exuding in Attack of the Clones and, and Avengers of the Sith. And it was, there was something very, it seemed like it was out of place, but there was something very familiar about it. And then there was something on one of the behind the scenes. And um, I don't know if it was George or Rick McCallum, but I think it might've been George who mentions that the scenes are kind of shaped as though they're old serials. So, excuse me, the, the, the specific style that comes in is almost like it's uh, maybe a 1920s movie and there's, there's a bit of, and you know, there's a, there's, there's a bit of, there's a bit of something about, about how it's performed. Um, and that kind of settled me down when I, when I then started watching them some more, but then there's this thing, you know, it's the same kind of acting you would, you would get or you would see in an animation. You know, I remember when I first saw Rebels, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, is it the drawing or is it just the, the thing about Ezra? What are they, what are they setting up with that? Because that character, you know, is, <laughs> you know, his demeanor is kind of, okay, when is he going to, when is he, yeah, how is he going to get into this thing? You know, and, um, about, 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 about halfway through the last episode is your answer, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, no, was that no, no, no. I, I, I softened him, I softened him a lot sooner than that. <laughs> Bless him. But no, it was cool. It was, it was, it was just one of those things, but with cartoons, you kind of accept it and you just think, oh, because it's for kids. Oh, okay, it's for kids. I'll, I'll just accept what I'm watching. But, Remember, these movies are made for 12-year-olds. The 12-year-olds aren't looking at the acting going, oh, the 12-year-olds aren't saying, oh, I would have liked to see more of Val. <laughs> you know? they'll, t- they'll take what they're given because their, fo- their focus is, is really following the principal actor or performer. And then I'm taken back to one of the behind the scenes. It might have been on one of those original movies or the prequels, but it's where... Um, where George is saying that um, even with Boba Fett, you know, um, he's only creating characters to to propel the main cast forward. And if they've got if they've got if there's nothing for that character beyond that moment that contributes to that story, then that's where they'll either bite the dust or that that's where they'll just stop and maybe reappear somewhere else. Mm. You know, so. With that in mind and knowing how they've kind of dominate, they're dominating every platform and it's, it's incredible and no one's mentioned it, you know, you know, it's ca- cartoons, it's comics, it's books, it's the movies, it's all canon. Yeah. Um, this is kind of absolutely phenomenal to that point where, where you then look at it and you're saying, oh, I understand. I can take it as that because that's the style of all of this. Yeah. And um, that's why it's kind of it gets kind of tough sometimes. It gets kind of tough sometimes when you when you're hearing people talk about Star Wars, and it's, and it's like, well, that makes sense if you're referring to a, a movie for adults. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But you know what? It's for twelve year olds. Chill out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I hear a fair bit of stuff that doesn't make sense if you're talking about a movie for adults either. <laughs> so, yeah, I think. I've caught some of your your feeds on Twitter, and I've said, and I've, I've been following. It. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's where you switched off. That's where you just cut them off. You just you them off. <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking, yeah, I would have cut them off a lot sooner than that. Yeah, you did good to get in a couple more a couple more lines than that. No. <laughs> 
blushing, <laughs> blushing. <laughs> what about Erin Kellyman, who played Enfy's Nest? Did you have oh, much uh, interaction with her? She seems really sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was she was lovely. Um, I think, yeah, my first my first encounter with meeting her was actually in Spain, and um, it was it was really cool because she was also being introduced to her cloud riders. A few of them she knew as her stunt um, trainers and performers. Um, and she also had, I think she had, um, I can't remember the girl's, the stunt girl's name, but she had a stunt girl double. And I'm not sure if Fizz doubled for her as well. Fizz is a double for Amelia who kicked my ass in that, in that um, computer room. And Darren Knopp, he's the guy who doubled for me. So I got to watch me. <laughs> I got to watch me get my ass kicked in that one. So, um, so that, was, that was really, really cool. But, but she, was, she was lovely. Um, and, and yeah, she'd, she'd take the headpiece off or whatever. And she'd be like, oh, hi, are we talking or whatever? And next thing you know, she's doing something really physical and physically demanding. She's beating up an enforcer or something. And it's just like, whoa, whoa. Because I knew she was going to have, I remember I was, I had some, I had a bit of stunt training in case they were going to need um, me to do something um, either in Spain or on this lot or whatever. And I knew she was in the next section doing her bit of training and I could see her just kicking and kicking butt. And it was just like, oh, wow, wow. But nice. she looked so good in the costume. It looked yeah. so tough. <laughs> When Ron Howard took over and you're back in the studio, like I'm sure that you didn't notice maybe that they were going too slow or whatever, but did you notice like a different vibe? Wow, we're getting a lot done or it seems exactly the same or the, the narrator from Arrested Development is talking all the time. It's really strange. <laughs> um, there was a buzz and, and that came from production and crew and that was like, do you know who they've got to direct it now? It's Ron Howard. Ron's coming. It's going to be awesome. So there was that. Um, but then, yeah, just in the shooting of it, I don't know. I think for me, it just felt like for the, thing, the scenes that I was doing that um, with the principals, that there was a smoother, I don't know. It seemed to go smoother. It seemed to go a bit quicker. Mm. You know, um, he would know whether to, he would know that he wants two cameras in that in the room or three um, and know exactly what how the, how to choreograph it. So they're all capturing all the bits that he wants. Um, but I also was aware of just this enthusiasm. You know, you could hear you'd end up hearing this chuckle and he's like, yeah. And he's like, great. You know, or I'll be sitting there and he's watching the scenes and, and stuff like that. And he's looking at Kathy or he's looking at um, John or, or, or Lawrence and just this, he, he, he was, he was 10 years old, you know? Um, but he was so jazzed and I'm just like, yeah, you know, and it, it doesn't take much to get me going <laughs> anyway, but, but seeing that and it was just, there's an understatement. <laughs> but yeah, there was just that. It was just, Oh, it, that, you know, you knew you were in good hands. That was the thing. You know, um, if you have problems with any directors or there's a, a switch or a change, it's then, well, okay, who are you going to bring in that won't, give you that vibe or won't 
cause production to want them to leave to some description or, or anything or if there's any kind of miscommunication you know and to find that they've got someone who already speaks their language that they've already worked with and and has such a um a long-standing relationship with with um with george um it's you know it's you know it's it's also like this thing like and um, people are saying oh get rid of kathy no you know no no don't get rid of kathy george put her there george put her there yeah, you want to get rid of Kathy and bring George back so you can give George a hard time? I don't think so. No, 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 no. You know, and it's, it's one of those things that if she ever does go and I don't want her to go, um, that's when you can get rid of all those memes of saying, oh, um, you know, um, about hate. And you know, we don't want hate in the fandom because what happens to one um, franchise will happen to all of them if you let it. You know, you let the floodgates open and you give these people an active voice that doesn't deserve to be active. Um, it will deactivate everything in production from Marvel to, to Fantastic Beasts to any franchise because they think that they can do that. But no, mm. that's my 10 cents. You got my 10 cents. <laughs> 10 British cents, which is pretty good. <laughs> 10 pence. 10, 10 pence. Okay, great. With the convention season just weeks away, it's time to spruce up your fan cupboard with the Steel Wars t-shirt. Let your friends and family know that they're Snoke Theory. Let your friends, family and other fans know that they're Snoke Theory sucked. That you're a shell or the shocking revelation that you're Ray's parents. And while you're getting a hand screen printed high quality ring spun cotton t-shirt, you're also supporting the continued production of the Steel Wars podcast. Check it all out at merchostore.com. The link's in the show notes. Hey, um, on the all the crew gear, it, it said Solo, right? And then they announced the film as Solo. <laughs> but, but they didn't know it was called no, Solo. Like, no like, like they all thought it was going to be called something else, yeah? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because normally these things are just working titles, and, yeah. and nobody says the name of what it is just in case it gets out. So that's why you have a working title. It's I, I know I know it was called like Red Cup. I think was the um, you know that Space Panda name or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, it was. But that, so- that, that's 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 the working title. That's production working title. But then. If you've got another title that's on the clothing or, or crew gear or yeah. something like that. So, so, like, so for like The Last Jedi, it was all episode eight. Like it was yes. it was like the explanation of, of what it would be. Yeah. But yeah, it was so yeah. strange that everyone had those solo t-shirts like cast and crew or whatever it was. And then it's like, oh, you, you've been printing the name of the movie on all the stuff all this time. And you didn't even yeah. know. Well, but- the thing is, the working title's there and it's the basis. And then the next title that comes in is normally the official title. Mm. Yeah. But this was like on, on some stunt gear, it was like um, so, um, solo. Um, and it says something like um, we shot first or yes. he shot first yeah, or, yeah. or some. So I had some tagline or whatever. And um, we didn't get ours until quite later on. So when you were asking me that question, I had no idea, you know, um, what was going on. Um, only that I was going to um, put one aside for you <laughs> when, it, when it came through. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was 
I don't know. It didn't seem. It didn't seem to phase anybody. I think people kind of just thought, or, or crew production as well. Oh well, of course, you yeah. know. Um, but no, it wasn't. As far as I was aware, it wasn't the official title until they said it was the official title. Interesting. <laughs> Before I let you go, D, did you, did you have one of those classic details magic moments on set? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow okay hang on wait wait which one hang on should i, should I just give you a couple you yeah just, i'll see how many i'll see how many i can fit in okay how bizarre is this right so i'm in spain i'm in the middle of this desert um there's a stunt man stood next to me called yan um a lovely guy you know and we were just stood there talking and he was talking about the fact that he's been working on some of these Marvel films and things like that. And then I just added my 10 pence, you know, and I was saying, Oh, well, you know what? I think, I think the best ones for me are Captain America because I, there's a, there's a physical presence of him being there and this flip that he does in the air, he turns sideways and he just rolls over like he's Shaolin or something. I just love that shot, you know, but then, you know, you've got things like Iron Man and, you know, that's kind of Downey isn't in the, in, in the movie that much because you've got this CGI suit, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm giving him all of this stuff, you know, and then he says to me, yeah, yeah, I worked on Captain America. And I'm like, that's a good job. I didn't say anything bad then. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, I, I, I'm, I you know, in that first movie, yeah, yeah, I did that flippy thing. I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kicked you in the face. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm stood there talking to the guy who's one of the main reasons from that one stunt as to why I love Captain America and just the grit and just the realism of this character. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm like, wow. And so um, later on that day, I um, was talking to Ian White. You know, he does, he stunt doubles for Jonas sometimes and he's in the more of that white furry thing that was in um, Rogue One. Oh, like Muroc or something. Yeah. That's not or, the right yeah. name, but he had, a, he had an action yeah. figure, yeah. Yeah, and he's also in that Karelian breakout. So, yeah, I think he stood behind Anthony Daniels when Anthony Daniels was saying, come on, come on, let's go, or something. Um, but I was stood there talking to him in, in Spain, and I was telling him about this moment that I just had with a stunt guy, and he starts laughing, and he's like, yeah, 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 those things, they, yeah, they, yeah, they're amazing when they happen. It's really surreal, isn't it? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> about, about two hours later, we're, we're chilling, we're having lunch. I'm just stood there chatting in the sand, and then he's talking about his basketball days because he used to play basketball. I'm like, oh, okay. And he says, yeah, I used to play for the London Towers. And I'm like, I know the London Towers. Okay. Right. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it was amazing because, um, you know, um, we would always showcase these up and coming bands at half time. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I'm like, right. And then he goes, yeah. And we were managed by this guy. And I can't remember what the guy's name was. And he said, and I said, I said, I know that dude. I said, you do know that we've probably met each other twice. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, well, my band performed at your halftime. Yeah, twice. <laughs> right? And he's like, what band? 
because I, I don't I don't talk talk to people about it. I don't mention it. So if Paul Robert comes up to me and says, Were you in a band? It's kind of like that, right? And so um and I said, Yeah, I was in a band called M and Eight. And he says, oh, I've got a little something for you. I'm like, Yeah, that was the tune. He's like, Oh my god. So he's losing his mind, right? So this is twice in the same day, yeah, that like, we're sharing like, this experience. It's, it's, it's like, listen, mate, I once paid Prashy's brother, all right? That's <laughs> don't worry about my, my, my yeah. pop stardom. <laughs> yeah, and and he's like, We've done how many films together already? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, yeah. So so that was one just really surreal moment I'm having on this on a set that looks like Tatooine and I'm surrounded by creatures and things and whatever. You know, um the next one the next one was um oh it was oh wow wow it was um with donald glover so we've got we would we we gave the 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 cast a little taster of the creatures that they're going to be seeing in the room. so we had this little rehearsal and things like that and they came in and they were looking at it and just marveling at everything just going wow 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 and then um the next time I ran into um, Donald was heading into onto the soundstage and we were just chatting and it was, it was really nice. And I was saying to him about how I just liked his music, Awaken My Love, because that's P-Funk, you know, and he's paying homage to the P-Funk and I'm down with the people. And so he's like, yeah, he's like, cool, cool, cool. And everything like that. And so he went inside and then about 10 minutes later, I, I, I followed up and I went in and he hadn't moved. From the from the point where he was stood um, when he went in, because he was watching. You know, in in on Dryden Boss's yacht, there's a goblin. There's a go- little little tiny goblin, and he he stood on the table. Yeah. Right. That's not CGI. Yeah. I'm gonna. I think I've got the names of the of the people that did that. Um, I'm not sure. Um, uh, where is it? It's the Goblin. That was operated by Dave, Chapman, um, Damo, Colin, Brian, and Lynn. Um, and, I th- and I think it was made by Tim Berry. But it was such a beautiful um, puppet that it took so many people just to operate with these rods, operating his limbs and his movement and his head and all this type of stuff. And he was originally going to appear in the Sabak on the bar. Um, and then when... Um, they said, oh, no, no, we can't fit him into that scene or whatever. I was thinking, no, 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 what a waste, what a waste. Um, but they decided that they were going to put him on, on Dryden's yacht. And that's who Donald was stood watching and was transfixed. I don't even <laughs> think he saw the puppeteers stood there. And I stood next to him and I was just saying, that's pretty cool, right? And he's like, yeah, he says, oh, that's absolutely amazing. It's just like, it's so surreal to be here and, and to be a part of this thing. And then... Um, Patrick Comerford, one of the other operators, he came over and he loves Donald's album as well. So we got to talk a bit of music as we started walking through. And just this moment and, and Donald was talking and he was saying, you know, um, there's just, you know, little moments in, in your life, in your career where these these things just resonate, you know, and everything that you thought about when you were a child or wished for when you were a child to achieve. Um, and when you're in that moment, it's kind of like, um, try not to be overwhelmed 
to the point where you can still perform and deliver. And then, and then, you know, I, I, you know, he gave that deep piece there like that. And I said, yeah, man, when I was a kid, I didn't have that, that many, um, uh, icons to kind of gravitate to. So, you know, there was only one dude that kind of started things off of me. And he was like, he's like, yeah, who's that? I said, well, you remember Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve? I said, he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I goes, you remember when the helicopter gets trapped on the, on the, on, on the skyscraper? And then Clark goes in and he goes into, goes into the spinning doors and he comes out as Superman. He goes, yeah. And he goes, remember that pimp? <laughs> he says, ooh, wee, that's a bad outfit. And Superman and Clark Wee goes, sorry, Superman goes, excuse me, and, and flies straight up. That was it for me. I was like, oh, I wish I could have been that guy that speaks to Superman, <laughs> right? He just, just floored him and we just, we just stood there giggling our asses off for about 10 minutes. But, but just having that, kind of conversation about growing up and um, having big dreams and big hopes and not knowing how you're going to get there, but, but then finding yourself at the beginning stages of it all, you know, it's, um, it's something that you cannot acknowledge. So me having these emotional moments, I, you know, it's like therapy when I'm speaking to you. Yeah, I don't really get that much time, <laughs> that much chance to do it on set. But it's, I think that's what resonates with me the most, with with all of these, all of these, um, these films and these encounters and these moments. It's just how special it is. And then, you know, you can't get, a, I can't get away from the fact that. Neil Scanlon is, is the one that's putting me in these situations, mm. you know, and before having the Star Wars experience as an actor, you know, it's hard to find um, directors or producers that can see your talent or see a talent within you that could actually contribute to something that they're doing, which is high profile, either for TV or for feature film. So that's where the struggle for in castings come. And um, with, with this, it's almost like um, I, I, know, I know what I'm supposed to do here. You know, I know how I'm supposed to perform. I know what they want from me. I, this is Star Wars. I, I got this, <laughs> you know. Um, and to have a network of of. of of CFX performers um, help you bring that character to life and support you with their performances or with their skill sets really does enforce uh, the fact that this is a, a tight family. It's an amazing family, and we we get told to be quiet quite a lot because we quite we do a lot of laugh. Well, I might do a lot of laughing on set sometimes. And it's because there's, there is, there is this, this general, genuine understanding of what each and everybody is doing. And somebody might be operating something and you might think it's hilarious, you know, but it works so well. You know, I love, I love seeing Warwick in, in, the, in the little droid, you know, just the way that he gives the droid a lot of attitude when he's walking and whatever. Like, what? Okay. You know, it's just... It's a good place. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good place, and and Star, and that's what Star Wars is about. You know, it's kind of like this 
this joyous ride that that we remember going on as children to a certain extent and each time they release a movie it's kind of accessing that child within again just to relive that yeah it's a different story yeah there's different things going on but you're reliving this um either because you want to as an individual or you're living it with the audience and the children around you watching it um went with my nephew kit to see solo and um he sat on the edge of his of his of his little chair stuffing popcorn not not moving not moving just looking at this and looking at that and i'm just like i could watch it i was like yeah that's <laughs> that's what it is it's, it's just about that hey you, you, your nephew or your cousin stole my star wars film watching style that's that's my gimmick leaning <laughs> forward and just <laughs> but oh but yes it's it's having it's having that kind of um that kind of vice that that individual vice where you go there for that experience you know um and you go to sub, to, go, to just submerge yourself into this this world take it just take what they're, they're they're telling you showing you and you're just like wow okay cool you know um and yeah and then, then, then you see yourself on the screen. It's just, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's a beautiful kind of nuts. <laughs> How did Alden appear like on set with that, the weight of Han Solo? Like, did, did he seem like more tense than other actors or were you impressed by how mellow he was? Dude was as composed as they come. Dude, dude is just cool. You know, and it wouldn't surprise me if he had just switched himself off from all the media. Um, and if he didn't, um, more power to the more power to the man. It just there was there was um, yeah, there was this composure that he had, and it was just it was lovely, and it wasn't too it wasn't too far from who he is to to the character that character performances that he would be giving and um i yeah i learned a lot i learned a lot from just watching how he managed his time and managed himself in in the takes um and in between takes he does he, he reads he, he he was reading um and quite relaxed about just you know pull out the chair and he's going to read until they call him over and you know um and I went over to him. I think that's when I first introduced myself to him when we were in Spain. And um, he said, oh, yeah, D, yeah, you were in Mazda's Castle. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't even start. I didn't ask him how he knew that or what? whatever. Um, how did he know that? I, I don't know. I'm is guessing it, it's because. He's a big when the AD Steel Wars. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I don't know. This is, it's, it's that. Is that, or is 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 the fact that ads um, every now and again or say, "Oh, can details come over? Come get details on set, please. Come and get." De-? And at some point, someone's going to say, "Who the hell is details?" Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, but um, that was that was nice. That was nice. I found but, that's a question everyone ends up having to ask themselves: Who the hell is details? <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but continue. But then also, also the same with same with Donald Glover. At, you, you love the Sabat game. You love that. Great. There was a lot of banter going on. Some of it didn't change too much. Some of it they did they did kind of ad lib and, and just 
catch each other and things like that. It was beautiful. But um, it was the interactions. I'll get to I'll get to Alden's because I just thought that was amazing. But with Donald, he was he 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 just felt at home. And, and um, he knew there were people under there operating these, these, these creatures. And he was delivering everything to the creatures and, and, and getting them to respond to him and things like that. And I don't know if you can teach that. Some people can actually perform with these creatures or puppets um, in, in, a, in a real way. Donald knew them from way back i don't know <laughs> you know you know and and they were responding and he was giving as much as they were giving in their responses it was beautiful to watch there was a beautiful synergy there but then um you know you got derek arnold in um is it august six size panics um and beneath the table, you have Matt Denton, one of the creators of BB-8 with Josh Lee. Um, but he's under that table with Andrew Coombs. And um, I was stood there watching it on the monitor when they got um, the direction to say, oh, can you get six eyes to kind of look at Han's cards? And then he gets caught and then he goes and looks up and he's like, what, what? You know, um, that was and I, I'm guess- that, 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 that was such a good like taking something from like a card movie or a Western and putting it in Star yeah. Wars. So the cheating is with yeah. like the Reyes or whatever that guy was like, that was, yeah. that was good synergy. That was good use of the license. Yeah. Well, well, everything you just said fits this thing because it's the best moment in the movie for me. And I knew it was going to be when it happened because I, I'm guessing there was maybe three takes. Yeah. And they hadn't rehearsed it. So everything's rolling and tell, oh, can we just get that? And Derek's, kept, Derek's holding up a head that weighs probably more than him. Yeah. And if he leans too far forward, his face is going to hit the deck or to the side or to the back or whatever. And to be able to hold that pose and to do that, and we could be filming for a whole day. Yeah. And he's got the back support on. He's got all this thing. He's doing this. And then the guys under the table are kind of um, choreographing the eyes. And I think there was some, I think there's some automations going on. So if the head moves a certain way, the eyes might blink or do something. But to get that choreographed perfectly and then he's just like, what, what, what? That was, that was amazing for me to see absolutely amazing that wasn't just star wars i was watch i could have been on a jim henson set watching that um and then that's 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 everything for me you know um but that was incredible but just though and and those guys playing off it and selling it well because the creatures can't perform by themselves can't do that without have give that kind of um expression or that kind of feeling to a scene without the right comeback of emotion or connection the, the, the other thing is what was it like the Sabak game it, it, it was never mentioned directly in the movies but it was heavy it was like OGEU and you know you had the, the established thing in um, Empire Strikes Back that he won the, the Falcon off um, Lando so th- there's not that many scenes that we've been told of that then you get to see, but did it hit you that you are 
you're on set witnessing the legendary Sabak game between Han and Lando. Like this thing that you've read about and in your head you've had an image and then you're like, what? They're there. And there's an there's Dude. an there's a there's a there's a, a four eared space astronaut cat. That's even better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the yeah. Um Yeah. Um but we weren't aware that there was gonna be another card game where that actually happened. So we were kind of assuming it was gonna happen in this particular game that we were at. Um because the one at the end um when I wasn't in that scene. Mm. Um but yeah, you're aware. You're aware of of how important this game is, um, and the performances in it. And there's one other performer I have to give a shout out to, and that's um, Stephen Bridges. You know, in the trailer, you got that guy with the half disc on his head like that, and he's like, blah, 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 and he does cards, goes like that. Yeah, yeah. That's not CG. That's a street magician called Stephen Bridges. Yes. Now here's the here's the big thing, right? When he first put the costume on and the mask on, he suffered from claustrophobia and had to get pulled out of it quick. Yeah? That would be me. Then about 10 minutes later, when he saw everybody else putting on theirs and knew that everyone else was in the same boat and that he wasn't going to be left on his own, puts it back on. He's cool with it. Then he's having, he's kind of like hired as um, a consultant to give them some kind of like, you see a moment where Lando and he's got the, he's got this little discard thing and he's flipping it over his hand or whatever. Stephen taught him that. Stephen taught ah, okay. Alden that. Yeah. And he was there to also um, add any little tricks if, as and when they needed them. But the tricks they had him do, he was doing blind with thick gloves on. So, when you see that take place, he's doing that blind. <laughs> yeah? And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, dude is so cool. And when you see that, when you know the journey you're, that you're, he's come you're, from, you're, you're on set throwing tips at him. Just like, this is great. Yeah. 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 I'm actually getting my hat. I want you know, yeah, can you put some in there? <laughs> you know? Um, but just seeing that turnaround was beautiful you know, um, for a performer. And then also, um, the trust, when you get into that trusting and you're trusting the people around you, um, and there, and, um, there's always somebody on hand to make sure you have enough water, uh, make sure you're not going to faint, make sure you're okay and all this kind of stuff. And, um, he was, and he's such a lovely guy. It was brilliant to see him at that table doing that. But yes, I knew this was to do with, so back, I knew it was something to do with, at some point, someone's going to put up the Falcon, um, whether it's in this game or, or, or at the other stage. But, you know, I also realized that I was a part of the Kessel Run. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. And I, I did what you did. I mean, last year I was watching the original three again, and there's two things. One is um, when 3PO, I, 3PO says, um, oh, we'll be sent to the Spice Mines of Kessel for sure. And I was like, hang on. I, I, yeah, I run the Spice Mines right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then the other thing was, was um, all the way through that year re regarding Phil and Chris and then Ron, 
I, I had this amazing idea, right? Now, you have to understand, I've not read some of these books. I've not read some of these comics. So for me, this is like an original idea that I'm having. And so I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome that the reason why the Millennium Falcon makes the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs is because it's got, art, it's got an artificial intelligence in there. I, I hold my hand up, I swear, right? This is, this is me thinking, I'm thinking outside the box. So I'm like, I didn't get a chance to say it to Phil and Chris. I'm thinking, oh, there wasn't the right time. How do you give someone an idea, man? How do you, how do, you do that when, when you're not allowed to? <laughs> right? so, and, so, and, then, and then Ron's on board, and I'm like, oh, did I mention it to Ron? Should I mention it? Uh, and I never got around to mention it. Right, so I'm just like, okay, cool. I know, I know. In in all these behind the scenes as well, George says, yeah, on the on the on the when he's doing his commentary on the on the prequels and the original movies, he mentions that it wasn't about the distance; it was about the route the, the Falcon took. Yeah, but nobody got that, right? Um, and so um, yeah, I then see the movie, and then L three, and I'm like. They did it. <laughs> they, like, they used my idea. I didn't tell them. <laughs> yeah, yes. But now, but then Damn since them. that, since then, apparently it's, it is documented in some, in some books or some comics um, way back that the Falcon is rumored to have maybe three droid yeah. brains in there or something. I, I, think they my, I think they just brought out a new book. I think it's called Last Shot. And it sort of jumps through a few different timelines with Han and Lando. Right. And I think they talk about it in there. And I think that's a bit of a, you know, a, a pre-sizzle for the thing. But, you know, it, it's cool right. how, um, you know, even in Empire Strikes Back and C-3PO is complaining about how the rope, the, the, the ship is rude. That, that, that's what, that's, that was what sparked, it, sparked that idea. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's kind of like um, Futurama. With Bender falling in love with the big machine, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And it's got brain. Well, what about this? I'm not sure if you've watched our reaction, um, the live one, but how Kyle Newman brought up that it was, you know, the Millennium Falcon suggested going to Lando, going to Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, oh yes, I yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's I pretty like cool. that. Yeah, I like, but but it's it's nice that it's 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 ambiguous enough for you to faintly kind of think, oh, maybe. I don't want to be told that for sure. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. yeah. But, and, and also because if we watch it chronologically, we get to that point. It's a nice little thing like, oh, oh, yeah, baby. You know, and I like things like that. Mm. Um, that was your reaction thing. Your reaction thing was awesome. Uh, you know, it was, it was a tough watch because there was a lot of, cynical stuff happening but there was one you know and it was disguised you know it was disguised in intelligent things or whatever and like i said it's cool if you're talking about movies aimed at adults but this was people were saying some deep stuff and maybe the acting maybe a 12 year old don't give a damn about that but there was one question you asked yeah and it was what's the one thing that that irks you you know in the movie and you went down the line and it went to this one guy, he had glasses on, and he says, ah, oh, Needles, Needles, that name. But then the dude in the wheelchair, horse, he says, dude, there's a dude called Thermes Scissor Punch that at the back table, and I'm cool with that. 
that, that was awesome. You know why that was awesome? That put the entire interview into perspective. I actually rewound it. And then I was, I was listening to you ask the questions and it went down the row. And then I, then I paused it when it got to him. And I was like, dude, there's a guy at the back table called Firm Scissor Punch. And I'm cool with that. <laughs> right? Next question. <laughs> you know, that, that dude, that dude, he didn't say a lot. But when he did say it, it was awesome. I'm his fan. They need to put his face on space money. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying. Well, What's that, his name? His name's Horse, yeah? Yeah, Horse Burkhart. He does two podcasts, Blue Harvest and Rogue One. And uh he's champ- you're my new well, you're, you're a good hero, man. He, his nickname he is loves- the his nickname is the Beard of Knowledge because he knows steep Star Wars. I love I what I really love is like um when we chat sometimes, they say, oh, wouldn't it be great if that happened? Oh, did you see that? Did you see it? Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be... I love that kind of chat. Mm. Anything else other than that, it's a bit too heavy for me, you know, and it goes in a bit of another direction. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, but I, I think people, they enjoy it in different ways and they like to analyse it in different ways. And, you know, as, as, as long as they're chill, then we'll stay so chill. You're trying to be PC now. You're trying to be PC now. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I just think that people react to it in different, like people want to look at it in different like ways. And, you know, some people want, when you say the restraining bolts could pop off, right? Yeah. If yeah. they didn't and the droids rioting still had the restraining bolts on, I wouldn't notice. But there's dudes, <laughs> there's dudes out there and dudettes it's- that, yes, that that's, that's cool. They watch those things, and that's what they're into. They want to see the like, and do you know what I mean? We all look at it in you know different that, sort of. See, yeah, yeah, but that's cool. I like that. But it's 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 when when you're analysing it at all as a critic, when it, when when the overview is as 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 a critic, and it's like, well, you know, I'm trying like to a, remember the live show, and if someone said the the Kessel Run was good, but Kessel it just needed like a proper villain. You know, and, and you're just like, oh, that's it. <laughs> oh, no, I don't mind stuff like I, that. I, I, took I, a, I, I, I took a pen to the heart for that scene. Damn it. Space pen. No, I don't, I don't mind about, I don't mind things, things, things like, like, like that in terms of taking it personally or anything like that. That's, but it all still falls in line with um, how an adult wants to see something thinking that is being put that these things are being created for adults, you know? Um, and George says early on in, in his documentaries and things like that, that the only part of these movies that are for the adults is the humor. Everything else is for the children. Um, because it's a children's movie, which is why it's went to Disney, Disney for children and families, you know? Um, and, that's where I keep my, that's where I keep my joy my joy as as that that kid with with these these dreams of of wanting to become an actor but loving Star Wars not even thinking that there could be anything for me in Star Wars you know but loving the understanding that I had for Star Wars um that that could that didn't have to change because the soap opera was the same soap opera we're just being we're just being given these episodes in, in different orders and they're just taking a bit, a bit of time. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's those things that I love about Star Wars. It's, it's, it's how they in, inspire um, children to kind of, you know, like these Comic-Cons, when, when the kids dress up and the families dress up, 
it's amazing because they're just they're having a good time. You know, when we were there at the hundredth one, the hundredth one in in your hundredth hundredth episode at celebration yeah. in London, yeah, yeah, celebration, yeah. You know, there were tons of people there, and there was remember there was a Lando that didn't look like Lando, but nobody cares. <laughs> you know that that kind of that kind of joy and just allowed to have that kind of fun. Uh, there's no such thing as a bad Lando costume. Yeah, see, there you go. If, if you're, if you're going for it, up, yeah. If you're going to dress up or whatever, there's no one there going to say that looks terrible. That no, it's all embraced. Yeah, it's just if it was being filmed. It, it would have a different, different connotation to the audience members who want to critique it. <laughs> okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Who yeah. was um, who were you most impressed with when you saw Solo? In terms of it, whether it's a new character or character, I don't know. Who were you most impressed with? Rio Durant. I wasn't ready for how cool he was going to be, and oh, yeah, I. I I, I mourned his loss and, you know, wished he um, was around for more. And maybe if he was around for more, he'd sort of wear out his welcome. But that's one of those – like, so I, I like that it's a character that I wish there was more of. But I just liked his yeah. – the way he said Wookiee. Like, I can't – it's the sweetest. Yes. <laughs> In a Wookiee's lap. Yeah, he's, um, so, he's, yeah. So, he's so happy to see one that I just I, – I, I, I admire his enthusiasm. Oh, it was, it was so sincere. Favreau did an amazing job. And that was performed by Dave Chapman and Katie Cartwheel, you know. Um, and I think the CG, some of the mouth or whatever, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, a lovely, lovely character. But then also another thing that I love about these, these movies that even if we're getting these characters for five, or two, five minutes or two minutes or whatever, that I can find out more about them. In the, in the comics or the books, but primarily I'm looking out for them in the cartoons because I like that transition from the cartoons and films and things like that. So maybe they'll re- rear their heads again there. But yeah, it's nice when you get these, and it's a brand new kind of creature. You haven't seen a creature like that before in Star Wars. Mm, I, you know? I, I just loved so it's it. Nice. I just loved yeah. it. Yeah. Now, details. Again, thank you so much for letting us into your uh, bizarre world which I, I hope you recognize how weird your world is. <laughs> yeah. We have got, and we ask this at the end of every show, we've got, we've got the animation. We've got a TV show. We've got the Game of Thrones guys doing something. We've got J.J. Abrams doing episode nine. We've got Ryan Johnson doing another trilogy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you most looking forward to seeing in Star Wars? What, what story oh. or what, what dangled carrot are you just like, oh, I want that one? I don't know. I'm excited for Kenobi um, just because there is a, a huge space of time between Revenge of the Sith and, and A New Hope um, where so much story content can actually um, fill that void in regards to not just whatever journey he's making, but who we're introduced to, who he's going to come across. You know, um, and also anybody that that hears about or has a has a vibe about some some um, force user or, or some some child force user, how he takes them out if he does take him out that way. Um, it's, it, the scope on it is huge, 
but that's that's that being said, I mean, I'm I'm just dying to see um Ewan McGregor embody that character one more time on the screen or a few more times, however they want to do it. But moving forward, I mean, we're going to be when episode nine is finished. That's the end of the Skywalker saga as far as George Lucas's um, story goes. It'll be interesting to see how we are. Oh, sorry, how the new stories are birthed into this generation, mm. you know, and fair enough. Um, Favreau, I think he had says he had said that his series may be after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, about three um, years. Right, um, and I, I don't think Ryan's mentioned yet where he is, where his is going to be set, no, and the very game mysterious. of mysterious, very mysterious yeah. as well. So I so. I'm excited for that. I mean, I was really excited about um, The Last Jedi in terms of how much it kind of opened up possibilities for um, not just more Star Wars movies, but more understanding about who and what these Jedi are about, Mm. you know? Um, And... We're getting a we're getting the context of where the rebellion are at and how things are going and you know never forgetting that tagline from um, Luke Skywalker saying things aren't going to go the way you think you oh. know um, it's just just that it, for me it kind of summed up the fact that I can't say which is my best movie um, but I, when you talk about what part of the story. I like at the moment. It's the story. It's, it's the part where these where these stories have led to the Last Jedi, and wow, where is the scope going? You know, how big, how far, how wide is it going to go? Um, will it will it match the magnitude um, and the love that the originals had? Um, does it have to? Will it just be awesome? It, it's just yeah. You look at my mind. My mind is just ticking. It's, it is. It's just. Um, it's, for me, it's not worth me me kind of trying to think too hard about because I will never guess it. I will mm. never guess it, and and I like that kind of surprise. Oh, although you, you did guess a major plot point in Han Solo pretty well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, the final thing I want to know: <laughs> you, you, you're on set right? You're in the film. You're several characters. You're having a great time. You're going to the cast and crew screening in London and you're like, oh yeah, I was on set. I know what's going on. I know all the characters in this film. And then you get to about five minutes before the end of the film and you see Darth Maul. When we saw it at the world premiere, right, there was a big like a conversation started in the room. Like people started, wow. like there was murmuring. What, wow. what was it like for the, the cast and crew that I, I assume most of them had no idea because it was probably filmed yeah. on a very tight set. What, what, was, what was your reaction to him appearing and, and what was the vibe like afterwards that were, he's in it. How did he get in it? It was, I don't, I don't know. There was, it was, <laughs> there, there was there were several kind of emotions going on in that room, and it was um, me instantly. As soon as I kind of heard that voice, and I saw that kind of hologram shape, my eyes 
wanted to take in the whole the whole frame. And in taking in the whole frame, I noticed um, the legs, mm. you know. And then um, when I saw it was more, my instant reaction was, um, Ray Park so deserves that. It was it was just that. I mean, I've never personally run into him at any of these cons. I don't really do them um, yet as such. Um, but I know he's always there. I know someone's always posting a picture of him doing a demonstration and things like that and just showing showing the fans so much love. And to see him back on that screen when we've already seen, um, yeah, the ending of his arc in, in Rebels, you know, it's like, oh, wow, what part of the story are we actually in here? You know, that was for me. You know, um, I, didn't, I don't know, I didn't really get that kind of, com- yeah, the conversation was very brief afterwards from everybody else. Like, that was more, that was more, that was more. Great. But then it was more about, oh, thank goodness that movie turned out okay. We spent a whole year doing that. <laughs> you know? The relief, the relief on production was just like, Oh wow, that's good, isn't it? It was brilliant. It was fantastic. It was yeah. Because how is that? Because you know, like people don't they focus on you know the actors and and the, the the primary crew and stuff, but for a lot of the people on set, they're just going there to do their job, regardless of how big a Star Wars fan they are. And it, yeah. it, it, I feel like the they either are or the excitement sort of gets them. You know, by the end of production, they're they're feeling the vibe. But I guess there was just sort of like maybe a feeling after the cast and crew screen of like, hey, we got it done. We, there's a film. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pulled it together. Um, and then also, I'm not even sure. There, there were some people in production that were there for the, for the whole duration. Some people that were there until... Um, their contract ended as to when the film was supposed to end. So they went off to do those jobs and then other people might have come in. Um, and you, you know, for, for me, I can, I would pretty much gamble and bet and say, well, I know Lucasfilm don't believe in failure. So I know it's going to be okay. I know it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, I don't know anybody else who could make that bet. You know, um, I don't know how, how much they know or how much they love Star Wars too be able to make a bet like that so it's kind of like you go to these things like yeah i hope i'm not sure what they're keeping don't know um but uh, yeah it'd be interesting to see what they end up with because don't forget we don't know the story in this one i might have been in more scenes to kind of get an idea um but without the script it's just a nice set or a nice location (laughs) you know um and yeah other than the kessel run um the kessel thing Yep, I know about that. The card game. I know there's a card game, but I didn't see anyone win a Falcon. Um, so, so <laughs> you know, so 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 you're getting pieces like that. So you're kind of working out. I'm trying to say, well, how are they going to do that? How are they gonna, how how? how? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's um, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was a really good feeling. It was a really good feeling. The thrill the excitement, the pace of that movie, um, and the humor, you know, um, just the subtleties of, of those performances, you know, it ticks along. I didn't even notice how long the movie was. It was, yeah, just, 
as 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 an adventure and as a summer box office thing that fits that fits well as a great politician once said we will watch your career with great interest details <laughs> hang on <laughs> <laughs> mate it's uh it's always a treat to catch up with you and to be able to share our catch up with everyone Ah, very nice. Uh, you can get that Ignite the Green t-shirt that Details is wearing at merchostore.com. Uh, special, special effects, special effects. Ah, rad. Well, if you're only listening to the audio version, Details has got some green laser light over his Ignite the Green t-shirt. And uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you can get my Lucas 1138 uh, t-shirt and merchostore.com sweet plug details you're a real pro that's why i like working with you buddy where can, where can the good people of the internet track you down on social media i don't mean to make it sound so aggressive either yeah i know <laughs> um no you can find me on facebook on the details um and the image is daffy duck taking a bath in a red cup and um as you do and um you can find me on instagram under digital star um digital underscore star or just type in details and you'll see digital star and you'll find me there Mm -hmm. or even on twitter details on twitter details and uh you always post good good behind the scenes photos on your instagram you always yeah, find some good I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been holding back a bit, but hang on, because I'm waiting for another another book to come out to see if there's some more stuff in there, and um, yeah, so I'm, I'm collecting all some more, some more little little bits and pieces to put down, and I'll be delivering them out out pretty soon. Very nice. Well, thanks so much, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Always. And may that force be with you. You too, buddy. Lots of love. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for listening to another delicious couple of hours with our mate Details from the set of Solo A Star Wars Story. And if you want more Details Pure Enthusiasm, hit up episode 100 live at Star Wars Celebration Europe and episode 162. And you will leave both those episodes with giant grins. And a heads up for our beloved patrons. For those on the $3 tier or up, there is a new Making Steel Wars that was posted last night. is on your Patreon exclusive feed. And it's our deep dive into the news behind the Star Wars news with Jason Ward of MakingStarWars.net. On this episode, we talk about how Kenobi and Boba Fett could possibly fit into the release schedule, where the solo marketing went wrong, and an exciting new way to build anticipation that they didn't do. We revisit the Clone Wars, and Jason reveals the best episodes for a new viewer to start at. We get into the latest Star Wars Resistance news and rumors, talk about celebration ticket sales and their marketing, and relive bad moments in Star Wars clip art history. Plus, Jason reviews the new Hyperchat show in a sweet 60 minutes of Star Wars chat. And for just $3 a month, you get all the bonus episodes, every episode of Steel Wars... 
where possible, interruption-free, movie commentaries, festival live shows, and weekly bonus content like Making Steel Wars. Don't forget, you can watch our solo reaction and the hyper chat in full at youtube.com forward slash Steel Wars. Hit subscribe, hit the little bell thing so you get a notification when we're doing stuff, particularly our live stream show this Monday night. If you're in the North American part of the world, elsewhere, we'll have a different time. It is Tuesday noon if you're in Australia off the top of my head. Can't wait to be back making that show. Once we get rid of those kinks, I think we'll be on to a good thing. And I really appreciate your support for it. Thank you guys so much. And may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.